All right. Hello, everyone, and good afternoon, um, or good evening, or good night, <laughs> anywhere you're calling from. And welcome to the first session on the forum on the venture, right? It's going to be an amazing time. We have with us Tonya Omeni, and we have James Okina with us, right? Um, we're going to be discussing series one, just like we did with the onboarding session. So um, if you are ready, you know how we do it right here. If you're ready, for this session, in the comment section, just say go, 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 go. All right, all right, we're ready. All right, Tonya um, and James, so how we're gonna do it is, um, we're gonna have four sets of discussions, right? 15, 15 minutes each. Um, I should have sent that to you, but uh, it, just, it just came uh, last minute, right? For organization's sake, right? So the first thing is, we're gonna have a little trivia, right? So everyone can get comfortable and everyone can know who we have um, on the conversation. Then we're gonna have a short discourse, right? So the discourse um, is the, the list of questions I sent to your mail that I would like to discuss, right? Then we'll have a little strategy session, right? I like this to be practical. The forum is supposed to be a practical session based on what we have in the article. So I'm gonna like to tap from your wisdom. So we're gonna have a strategy session where um, we're going to Oh, yeah, so the study session is also going to relate with the questions that were sent to your email. And then we're going to have the forum, which is the questions I sent to you uh, last night or so. That one question that, you know, would define the whole conversation. So, first off, ladies first, right? Are we still, are we still in that kind of world? <laughs> okay, so, Tonya, um, you're going to mute yourself. Um, we'd like to know, right, what... Oh. Okay, let me unmute you. Okay, are you good now? Yes. All right, so first things first that I would like to of you to respond to, Antonio will go first, is, you know, having read the article, right, um, within that context, what kind of students were you, right? And, okay, and by the way, yeah, you could still just do a little introduction of yourself. Hi, I'm this, you know, so everyone can just, um, you know, get in on it. Okay. Hi everyone, my name is Tonya and I'm so happy to be with all of you today. So just a little brief about myself. Um, I just finished up my master's in economics at Concordia University here in Canada. And um, before coming for my master's, I worked with the Central Bank of Nigeria where I helped in a lot of macroeconomic research. And after that, I worked with an organization called Mobile Forms. I don't know if some of you have heard of them, but they use a mobile app to collect data around Nigeria. And there I worked with a lot of youths. Um, so during my master's program, I also worked with Accenture Canada in helping a nonprofit to improve their internal communication strategy. So from my whole experience so far, I would say that I'm very skilled in economic research, in modeling and in business strategy. But nice. to be able to relate with you guys more, when I was in, I finished, I did my bachelor's in Covenant University, right? So all the Covenant University students here, hey, we're <laughs> 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 swearing, yeah? So I finished my um, bachelor's there. And when I was there, I actually volunteered as the director of socials. I always saw a problem and I wanted to solve it. 
So I would say I'm very disruptive. When I was reading the series Toyin, I saw that you said you felt like you did not fit <laughs> into the environment. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I would say that I fitted, but I always saw problems and nobody was solving it. So I was like, okay, if I roll for this position, will I be able to solve it? And as director of socials at my um, economics association in Covenant, I actually helped to improve participation in the department. Um, my team and I, we initiated a, a dinner called NESA. Before it was called like a dinner, but we changed it to a ball. So people were like, oh, ball. Like, yeah, it's oh. a ball, it's not a dinner. So we gave people that perspective of this is something different. This is something you have to participate in. And then we created like marketing strategies, like reducing the ticket price, um, more awareness in classes of the activities we were doing. We really changed the whole strategy. And that dinner had over... I think we, normally we would have like 50 guests, but the dinner had almost 80 guests. Wow. Who were happy. So um, that experience really showed me how, number one, how your narrative is very important. What you show people is what they connect with. If you don't awesome. show them anything, they don't connect to anything, right? Wow. And um, during my master's program, I also volunteered as the vice president for the Graduate Society. Um, so there... I would say, because I came as an international student, right? And I didn't really understand what the grading system was like in Canada. I didn't understand a lot of things. And I heard that we had an association, but no one came to talk to me. So when I ran for that position, I had the idea of, I have to connect with people, especially international students. I don't want students to come to school and they don't understand um, you know, how to adapt, um, resources to use. And during my time there as the vice president, I actually grew our membership from whatever it was to 150%. People were participating in activities. Amazing. Why? Because we had a goal. We were attacking it viciously. We used social media to promote our events. Nice. And I would say in general, one of the achievements you know, I'm most proud of is we, we had a wine and cheese event. That's what they do here in Canada. People are so bougie. <laughs> so and that, and that event brought students and professors together. And that interaction really helped people to be more free with professors, to actually have mentors who were profs you know, and created an environment for people to talk. We did like um, tutorials for R programming, Python programming. We did a lot of events that help people to know, okay, we have an association that cares mm. about them, you know. Oh. So that's, that's, that's what I would say about being a leader. I am a servant leader. I do things and, and let, that, let those actions influence people's actions. Oh, Tony is doing this, so let me do it. Let me support her. So if there's any leadership style you would want to adopt, I believe servant leadership. Do it and people will follow you. Thank you. Amazing. A fire, fire session already. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's hear from you, James. Um, so what kind of student were you um, in the university? Um, thank you so much, uh, Tony, for, for this. I'm really, really grateful to be here. And welcome, Tonya. And thank you for that, Tonya, as well. Um, that's a great question. Um, so I think it would only be proper, I think, first of all, like this is home and um, I'll be very open with everyone. Yeah. Um, it, my, my, my relationship with 
school as an idea has gone through many phases. Mm. Um, as a younger kid, that was I was always top of the class, um, obsessed with school and books. I've always been a serial um, obsessive learner. And so um, it always made sense to put it within the context of school. But the older I got, um, and when a personal tragedy hit me when I was nine years old, um, I, I kind of, you know, like that relationship got severed. Um, but post, after that event, um, you know, I, I think I became, I, I tasted the proverbial fruit um of what practical life is like so i got into the marketplace at 14 after i I graduated high school and went back to university at the age of 16 to study um business management but um in when i got back into school at 16 to study business management i became what you described in your article as born from um, chaos, <laughs> a breed born from chaos. Because basically, I felt really out of place within the four mm. walls of the university. Mm. Um, there was no, there was nothing I was feeding me. Unlike many students who had come in to school hoping to start their career after they get out of school, I had already started my career one year before I got into school. Wow. So um, while I was a student, I was actively doing things. Um, within the marketplace of life to to better the world i wanted to solve problems i was doing a lot of you know different things and finally it got to the point where i just dropped out of the degree program um three years in yes you you didn't know that you know that (laughs) (laughs) okay wow but um so i dropped out of the program and um and i decided that i was going to aggressively follow um what i wanted to you know really do in the world um, and then I got into another program, um, which is one I'm currently rounding up, which brings a, a, a combination of practical and um, theoretical um, like, um, education together to empower people to solve the problems they want to see in the world, but rather like actively do it, right? Um, and I think many, many people will... And I hope as we go further into the discussion, we can speak more about the nuances of this. But um, it has always been, it has always been interesting or intriguing to me that um, the institution in our society that is supposed to be the herald for development, innovation, mm-hmm. and practice is um, has notoriously come to the point where some of the greatest disruptors of our generation has to leave it to mm, innovate. True. So um, it has always intrigued me personally, and I hope that we can get more into that as we, um, as we go further into the discourse. But thank wow. you so much. Amazing, right? This was just supposed to be an intro, but you're giving us fire already. Like, whoa. <laughs> thank you so much. That was such, that was such, a, that was such a great um, intro. So... In fact, um, so we've used up our first 15 minutes, right, for everyone to get to know us. So thank you for sharing your human moments with us. Um, Tonya, the, the dinner part was interesting to hear. Um, the other part for James, uh, you know, the dropout part, uh, dropping out part of the program, you know, really stood out. So this is rare gold. Um, thank you so much. So let's, you know, the last comments that James made um, about the institutions actually relates with the next level of discourse, right? 
which is, you know, what, what, why, why do we have so much change? Why do we have so much changing? Um, okay, let me quickly attend to something. Okay, yeah, so why do we have so much change happening outside the university than inside the university? And by the way, would you like me to just read the four questions that we'd like to discuss in this next 15 minutes, or do we just want to have short, short answers? So let me, just round, let me just give it to you. So you know that in 15 minutes, we have to answer this question. So the first thing is, why is change happening outside the university more than inside the university, right? And what's, what's the nature of that change, right? Then number two, why is there so much dysfunction in the educational system, you know? Based on how much you know about this system, you know, Niger, right? What do you think is the, what's the, what's the dysfunction, right? And then number four, why do you think that the environment which undergraduates currently are experiencing education and all other facets of life is not enabling them to create and solve their local problems that affect their lives every single day, right? You know, it's, it's, it's like a story of you sitting down on a pin and not doing anything because maybe you don't know how to walk or anything. So why do you think the environment, you know, the current tertiary institutions, you know, do not support that environment. Then the last question is, what do you think is most influencing this current narrative about the undergraduate community? So we can just answer those four. Um, Tona, you can go. Okay. So for the first question about why do you think creating or innovating isn't conducive within the environment? Oh, I am so, not going wait, to stay here. Sorry about that. I think the first question is about the change happening. What's the nature of the change happening inside and outside? Okay, sorry. Yeah. Okay, the nature of the change happening inside and outside. From my experience, I could say that I don't want to stay here and blame the government. Because <laughs> now we blame them from now to tomorrow. They are who they are, right? So I would say the nature of the change is people are taking more risk. Awesome. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. People are taking more risk outside the school environment. Mm -hmm. And for all my analysis, I'm going to give you guys a personal account and a community account. Like we have a part to play and the society government has a part to play. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think the question should be why are students not Mm. involving themselves in change making in their community mm. why sure. i would say is fear of failure mm. mediocrity mm. and another important thing is parents true wow tell your mom you want to start brand business eh? go back to school who sent you to start brand business they don't want to listen mm. so these are personal factors that i believe are causing people to be mediocre. They don't want to do more. They don't want to, um, because they just don't want to fail. But listen, you need to try, fail, and adjust. Hmm. Try, fail, adjust. Try, fail, adjust until you start seeing good results. So don't be afraid to fail. It's okay to fail. Hmm. But adjust, right? Nice. And for the community, for, from, okay, we all know that our society, we need more support, things like that. But how about if we start something and then involve the society? Sure. 
I will never fund a business plan. I will fund a business. So if you want to make a change, maybe you want to improve water in your school or society, start and then seek partnership with organizations that are passionate about water, sanitation, cleanliness, things like that. Word. Right? Word. People want to join an action, not a plan. Hmm. So my advice would be, for, from my experience, I would say people are afraid. Parents don't really support things like this. And lastly, society, there should be more partnerships in society. But for people outside the university, I would say they are just more you know, risk-loving. They can take risks and expect to see good results because hmm. maybe they have backings of their parents. Yeah, they have backings of their parents. They have backings of the community because they started. But students, most students don't start. They just keep the idea here. And nobody's going to fund <laughs> ideas here. They'll fund ideas that are already existing. True. So that would be my take on that. Thank you so much. Brilliant, brilliant submission, right? So James is here. What do you think is influencing, um, you know, the change? Or as Tony has said, right, why do you think students are not actually um, involved in the change happening outside and bringing it inside their universities? Well, thank you so much for, for that, Antonia. Um, I think that was very powerful. Um, I think my answer is not too different from what you said. I think the value systems are, are what, uh, they play a huge role, right? The value systems. And what do I mean by value systems? Um, what is, what has honor and failure be, being defined as in the first place? You know, um, you know, I she she just addressed a very unique perspective of it. But there's another perspective where you know, being entrepreneurial, being doing anything extracurricular is seen as failure in and of itself, and nobody wants to involve get engaged with that because the definition of failure of success and honor have been attached and erroneously attached to um, just getting a degree. And then you've achieved a status that will make you successful or that is some kind of success. I, I never understand it, but um, basically that's one crucial part. So people are not participating in practical real world um, um, scenarios for effecting change, driving um, impact or creating value because they have been told if you sit in class long enough, if you listen long enough, if you do what you're told long enough, you'll finally qualify to be a success vis-a-vis -vis get a paper or a degree. Mm -hmm. And so um, they are already, because by no means, I've been in a Nigerian university and one of the most notorious and notoriously corrupt ones um, that anyone can ever go to. And... I tell us, James, what, what, school, what school was that? Tell us, man. <laughs> cast, cast yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't do this, Tony. Um, yeah, go on, go on. Um, but on the other hand, um, make no mistakes about it. Life within those university classrooms are not easy. They are hard. Yeah. And I dare say any student who can survive those conditions is already prepared for um, a life of success. Not necessarily excellence, but success, because it's tough. You have to have some kind of, you have to have some kind of, uh, how do you, how do you call? It? You have some some kind of tenacity, some kind of grit yeah. to be able to go through it and go through it till the end. So 
um, these people already have the raw life skills. So on one hand, the university, of course, um, it's not news that the university is not providing um, what students need as in skills. Um, but on the other hand, it's also because of the value systems people have. If you engage in things extracurricular, if you go out of what has been defined within the framework of the university, it's seen as some, you're seen as some kind of failure, you're wasting time. You are, you know, you, you, and there, it's a real thing. So um, that also plays into why people who, you know, feel like they found gold and feel like that's at loggerheads with, you know, school, some oftentimes have to make the decision to leave. Mm. And so um, that's, that's basically my answer to that question as to why, you know, specifically within the context of Nigeria, students are not really um, engaging with change like they should. Wow. Brilliant submissions. You know, your, 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 your answers are so good. It has answered um, most of the other questions that we wanted to ask, right? So we'll just round up um, this session with the question on enabling environments, right? Since you've already spoken on really cogent issues. So why, why do we think that the... So we can, okay, we can even measure the questions, right? Why do you think our current educational system, or what do you think about our, country, um, our current educational system and its influence on creating an env environment that supports economic value creation, right? Because um, all through, all through the, the pieces, we discussed that the current university system actually has an ecosystem. It just doesn't support value creation. That is what the argument is about. So I'm not saying occupy schools. No, 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 no. We're just saying the university system can actually host a different environment within that same environment, right? So what do you think are the biggest challenges to this um, enabling environment for economic value creation? Okay, I think I'm to go first. <laughs> yeah. So my first question is, what is economic value creation? Mm. Economic value creation, according to IGI Global, is the act of creating wealth in a particular context mm -hmm. and in a given period of time. Nice. All right. What is the context here? Creating value, increasing productivity mm. of students in the undergraduate community to influence their society better. All right. So now, how can the university system supports this ecosystem that already exists? That's the question. Mm. Let us do a case study of Silicon Valley. Mm. Now, Silicon Valley um, was instituted, I think, in the 1950s because of the Cold War. U.S. wanted to create weapons that would help them fight and win the war, right? Mm. So they gave the contract to a guy, forgotten his name, and he went to because he wanted to, I think, make weapons, of course, to help them fight the war. So he went to, you know, the Bay Area, started the whole Silicon Valley, put the material, started innovating weapons that would help U.S. fight the war. But he had a plan that in case this company fails, we will turn this place to a grocery store. Mm. Wow. He knew even if this idea doesn't work, I have a backup plan. People will eat. So if it doesn't work, I'm going to turn this place to a grocery store, right? So what does this tell you? This tells you that, number one, we should all have a plan. 
does the, my question is do universities have plans for their students mm. their own goal is to come in create um classes that they have not renovated God knows. <laughs> do your lectures and go home so mm. i think the first thing would be what is the value of these universities mm. i was privileged to go to covenant university and in covenant number one they wanted us to you know, be academically sound, to improve our spirituality in God, and to be entrepreneurial. Wow. So what did they do? They started giving us programs. We had, me personally, I did photography classes. I did book writing classes. I did public speaking classes. That's why I speak like this now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the school had that goal. That's why right now, I'm sure everybody knows about Hebron um, yeah, Startup. Yeah, Hebron Lab. Startup. That's, that's to big. encourage entrepreneurship in the environment. Hmm. In Covenant University, we had events. Fashion hmm. Week. Um, we had debates. We had different things that helped us improve our capacity. Hmm. So I would say the first thing is, what is the goal of these universities? Is it just academic or they have other capacity development initiatives to improve students' productivity? Mm. Fine. If the university doesn't want to offer it, then you student leaders should encourage your community, your students yes. in your, for example, if you have, if you're maybe president of an association, encourage your associations, your students, your members, oh, sorry, <laughs> to start working on their abilities. You know, this, this question was thrown because when Tony invited me to talk about this, I actually asked a lot of my friends, yo, what do you guys think about this? How can we help students? Mm. And some of them are here and I want to say thank you for joining. So leaders, you're not alone. You have a lot of friends. You have a lot of people that support your vision and this work. Wow. What I would say is, if your university is not giving you anything extra, go and find the extra for yourself. Hmm. Go to Udemy, go to Coursera, look for things that if you want to improve the way you speak, if you want to improve your entrepreneurship skills, if you want to improve your data analytical skills, if you want to improve your whatever skills you want, fashion skills, whatever, go online, go to YouTube alone, can teach you hmm. coding, fashion design, makeup, whatever you want to learn. Don't wait for your university to give you the services, right? Go and build your own capacity by even, and something my friend also told me this morning was financial literacy. Mm. Many people don't even know. They just get money from their parents or they work, get money and spend it. You have to plan your life, plan your budgets. These are things that will improve your capacity as a person and help you take more control of yourself. So mm. I would say university should have a, like alternative goals, not just academics. That's sure. a short thing. But other capacity development initiatives. And that is why I really, um, first of all, that's why I chose my university here in Canada. They had a lot of initiatives, especially career development initiatives. Most schools don't do it. They just have one career fair and that's it. If a school is hammering on capacity development initiatives, career um, development initiatives, you will see universe, um, companies will start coming to partner with them. Yeah. So my advice to you student leaders is, if your schools don't do it, then in your association, in your group, start it. Start, you can have a project, a term, that's fine. Start a capacity development initiative. For this term, we're going to be learning Excel. 
for this term, we're going to be learning Python, right? And then look for professors that could help. If they don't want to help, fine. Look for people in senior classes that could help and let them invest back in their community. I will tell you, those programs will help a lot. And for career development initiative, something I will drop, this is also one of my friends suggested this to you. He said, if you can tap into your alumni base, Word. you don't know what you have. For federal universities, I mean, many people who went to Lagos, hope I've shouted out to your schools. Yeah. <laughs> most of them are directors most of them are senior managers mm -hmm. and they are in great companies reach out as a student leader reach out on linkedin reach out number one prepare your linkedin profile let it look good okay number two reach out hey hey toyin i saw you graduated from you know, my school, we are, we are planning a program, but you need to have a program, you need to have a plan, right? We're planning a program on this, we'd love you to come and speak to us. Even if, let me tell you, if you send that message to 10 people, at least one, one will say, oh, sure, I can do that. How, what do you want? One. So you have to have the plan and then execute it, and then people will now support. But if you don't have it and it's just in your head, it's going to remain there. Whoa. <laughs> All right, amazing, amazing, amazing. So let's have, uh, so James, what's, what's your take on that? What do you think um, is, is the, what's creating that big resistance within the universities and then this economic value creation? Thank you so much for that, Tonya. Oh, thank you so much, um, Tonya, and thank you so much, Tonya. Um, just to be clear, am I answering two questions? What's causing the resistance within universities? Yes, so, so we, we, merged, yes we, merged, we merged those questions because of time which is what is the dysfunction within the educational system and creation of an enabling environment for value creation? What, what, what is that resistance? And how do we, as Tony has done, how do you think we could, we could bridge that? So um, I'll try to answer this question without sounding like I'm dissing the idea of university, but mm. stay, stay with me. Um, uh, first of all, I think, and I, I'll probably piss somebody off by saying this, um, but I, I want you to just stay with me to the very end. I think one of the biggest frauds in the world today is universities, period. Um, and I, I, I said, stay with me because that'll probably piss well, with you. off. Well, with you. Who really doesn't <laughs> like that. But the reason why I say this is because um, I want you to think about this. The university is the only place in the world, it's the only business in the world that does not have a guarantee or insurance of the service they're providing. God bless you. Ah. It's the only, it's the only, I want you to think about something else. If you, if you buy, if you buy a computer and it's dysfunctional, you will return it. If you buy, um, if you buy a service, what kind of, regardless, there is a clause that you can return it, right? If you go through university and you don't get your money's worth, can you return your degree? Can you collect back your money? No. Now, uh, because that doesn't exist. You see, one of the things this exists for other businesses is that it drives them to, to actually create and give value mm -hmm. for your money. Yes. And so the, that the baseline, the minimum is, you know, to give you value for your money. But universities don't have that. So they can get away with anything. 
So mm. number one, within the 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 university structure, it is already set up to fail students. It's already wow. set up fundamentally to fail students because it's not there for the students. Wow. Fundamentally, it is there for itself. It's there for the idea that we have an institution, and this is just an institution. I it's like hmm. it's 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 a it's it's almost like a relic from the past, and that's why we've seen innovation within education over time. Hmm. You see many of these online schools that bring real-world experts to be their faculty. They'll bring, and many universities around the world, um, they're trying to do this as well. You know, they bring real world experts to come and offer real value to their students because they realize that, you know, you know there is that dysfunction, um, mm. as you put it, within the system. Mm. Now, this is with universities enti entirely, right? Universities in Nigeria, particularly, um, you know, the large states or national universities, it's a different story entirely. Like it's a, it's you know, like Bonaboy said, another story. Mm. Basically, that's what it is. Mm. Um, and um, so I don't really want to speak to the university because if I go into that, a lot of like really kind of worms. <laughs> yeah, basically. So mm. what I want to address is the individual. What mm. I really want to address is the individual. Um, I think the first thing that you know anybody has to, and the reason why I also have to just you know quick address the, the individual is because I think you've already brilliantly answered this question more than I could ever answer in the article and it was in two words you said capital flow and business mentorship mm. and I think that's the solution for the university the university really wants to solve the problem of innovation within itself and create economic value within its students community mm. then they have to make those two things um, available capital flow and business mentorship right it has to be there and it has to be there in increasing measure, mm. you know. Um, and when I say increasing measures, because entrepreneurs, if you really want to give them, if you really want to tap into the true potential that exists within universities, particularly in Nigeria, then you have to give them room to make mistakes. Mm. You have to give them room to, to, to grow and learn and, and enable them to do so with gusto. Um, and so I think that's... that's primarily that for, for the university but for the individual i think if you're going into a university specifically in nigerian university you need to and the university anywhere indeed you need to assess your your motive like mm. let's start from there because it's you're going to be you know contradicting yourself if you go to a nigerian university to become an entrepreneur mm. that's like <laughs> that's that's one of the biggest contradictions that you can ever find in the world Mm. Now, um, a university uh, in any society, it gives you a snapshot of what the general society looks like. Mm -hmm. Or it gives you a snapshot of what the general society should be or should look like. Yeah. And um, when you go into university, it's a world, right? So when I say um, you, if your motive is going there to be an entrepreneur, it's contradictory. I also have to follow up with the fact that you know, you can go into the university to be an entrepreneur, but you have to fund fundamentally define that. What I mean by that is who is taking responsibility or accountability in your formation of being an entrepreneur? Hmm. If it's the school, 
that's where the contradiction occurs. But if you're going into the university to use it as your playground for entrepreneurship Word. in Nigerian universities, Word. then you are literally at the right place at the right time. Word. Because the recipe for successful entrepreneurship is solving problems and solving solutions. And we all know that this place is not bankrupt of problems. Mm. It's not bankrupt of issues. So mm. if you go there with the entrepreneurial drive, holding yourself accountable and responsible for your entrepreneurial success, um, then you know it's the perfect, it's the perfect recipe to, to, to do whatever you want to do in terms of, you know, start it's a perfect place to start up your entrepreneurship mm. career indeed, you know, because you know, there are just so many problems that you can solve. So for the individual now, you know, the other the last thing I would say is you will need to change your mindset, hmm. right? Things are bad, we know. You're not the first person to find that out. You're not going to be the last person. I can tell you that. I'm not God, but I know that next year, this problem will still be here. <laughs> um, but you need to change your mindset in the sense that you cannot be complaining. Mm -hmm. Complaining and entrepreneurship do not go together. Word, word. You know, you cannot say someone else so-and-so needs to do this. You cannot say so-and-so needs to have this. You cannot have an entitled mindset. You cannot be entitled to your parents. You cannot be entitled to the university. They, they don't care about you. Like, you know, you, I mean, maybe you can even have some kind of conversation with your friend, but the university, you're just wasting your time. But you cannot be entitled in any way, shape, or form. You see a problem and you go for it. You take responsibility. And this is what many people don't like. Mm. you must take responsibility and the reason why i say assess your motive first is because you must take responsibility for your life first take responsibility for yourself for your life first before you can even begin to take responsibility for other problems because these problems are huge yeah these are problems that university faculty um and and administration have not been able to solve um for years um but guess what you are the perfect renegade to mm. bring solutions to these Those problems. True. Mm. And three things you have to bear in mind is that you have nothing to lose. Mm. True. You have absolutely nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. um, but then I'll bounce it back off the first thing I said. It starts from what is your motive. If your motive is just to go in there, get a degree and leave, then maybe you should stick to that. Um, and maybe you can now ask yourself the larger question of what do you want out of life? because those two go together, right? Um, then the second thing you need to um, 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 figure out is if you're going there to use it as your entrepreneurship play playground, which I would suggest everyone you know, does, because mm. outside of the university, that will, that will, that will... It comes at a higher cost. <laughs> locally, locally and globally, it'll make you a valuable person. Right. Mm. You know, even, you know, and trust me, right. It, you know, if the entire mindset that you go to school and school make you, you know, something, you know, of course it's out of vogue right now. Even if you went to Harvard, if you showed up to, to work at Facebook, if you, if you just had a degree from Harvard studying, say, uh, I don't know, marketing, and then you show up to Facebook for a job with a Harvard degree in marketing and someone shows up, with 12 years, marketing with different startups, you're not going to get that job. Mm. You're not going to get that job. The person who has real life experience and results to back that up definitely has an edge over you. And mm. that's where the world is tilting to. So 
Um, that's basically my answer for the investing capital flow and um, business mentorship. But for the individual, take responsibility for your life and decide that you're going to use these problems uh, as serious problems, as opportunities for um, primarily meeting people's needs, but um, also creating economic value for yourself and for your direct ecosystem, which is your university. Wow, amazing. That was really impactful. That was really impactful, right? Um, thank you so much, James. Uh, that, was, that was amazing. You know, you guys have, you've dealt, I'm looking through my books and I'm like, oh my God, he just answered this one. She just answered this. Oh my God, what are we going to do? All right, so, but that has been really interesting. Thank you so much, right? And now to go into the final session, right? So most people, most, um, most people on this session are actually, number one, are actually entrepreneurs. And if they are not entrepreneurs, right, they are actually leaders within this same undergraduate community that we are trying to, to reshape the conversation around, right? And in series one, two things stood out, right, which is the power of narratives and storytelling and then the collective sense of responsibility, right? So this is where we're, you know, because of time, uh, I would like us to, you know, now round up on this, you know, that one question. Let's jump right into the forum and mix this with a strategy, strategy session, right? So for Tonya, right, you are an economist. Um, how can we, what is the power of narrative and storytelling on the economic outlook, right, of nations around the world? And this question is very important because the leaders here need to understand the scope of the need for change before they can transfer it to the, co the community. So I would like you to enlighten us on, you know, what is the power of narratives on economic outlooks of nations? And number two, in that same question or in that same answer, right? How can we, <laughs> you're already smiling, my own is too much. <laughs> how can we actually position these undergraduate communities to now follow this path of unlocking Africa's prosperous uh, uh, um, destiny, right? I think those two questions uh, would round up your session. Okay, thank you. James, I must say that was really um, special about the mentorship, about, um, um, you know, knowing what your motives are. That was really um, some good thoughts there. I would start by answering this question with a quote, right? The quote is by Bunkminster Fuller. Ew. He was uh, an American, uh, a famous American architect who made some, you know, great buildings in America. So he said, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To mm. mm. so change something, build a new model mm -hmm. that makes the existing model obsolete. obsolete. Mm. Mm. Think about that for a second. <laughs> just, just, everybody just thinks down. Just, just things down. So on answering how does narratives and storytelling affect the economic outlook of nations around the world? Yeah. When I say America, what do you think about? Yeah. What is their motto? In God we trust. Mm -hmm. Trump says, make America great again. Yeah. When you think of Nigeria, what is our motto? <laughs> Unity <laughs> <Hospital>. <laughs> what does this tell you? Mm. 
just like we, are, we still try we still didn't try <laughs> i'm sorry but that's funny yeah. so <laughs> what is your brand hmm. to answer this question i think the the, the, the concept of branding hmm. what what is your narrative what is your what, what do you, what do you want people to see you as right Mm. So, how does narratives and storytelling affect economic outlook of nations? Simple branding. Mm. If, for example, America, when we say America, I mean, America has its own class because of the way they branded, I don't know how to explain it, but it's the way the, the country is branded, what they showcase, what they do, what they do. I mean, look at um, Hollywood, look at the inventions that sprung up for them, look at all the wars they won, look at how they help other nations. Mm. They have made themselves look like gods. Mm -hmm. they, are, they are the, what do you call them? Free, free, free nation. Free nation. Mm. Dollar is everything. Mm. So that's all, that, that, that is branding. That is what they want people to see them as. So they do it, so you see them as it. Mm. When Nigeria was having problems, what did they do? They donated mosquito nets, billions, fundings. USAID was here helping everyone, helping us fight Boko Haram. Why won't we love them? Why won't we say, oh, we worship? Why, why won't we reverence them? <laughs> because of the actions hmm. that they and what and who they say they are. Yeah. If America hmm. says, I'm going to fight behind you, Nigeria, they will fight behind you. They're not bluffing. Hmm. So, in essence, what is the brand around? your name what is the brand brand around your association if you can create a good brand mm. right obviously have plan execute the plan execute the initiative people will support it mm. people will support it so it's all about really having a plan or having a goal and executing it and let people support that plan, let people support that goal, right? Mm. So to answer this question, I would say branding is everything. Look at China. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about the Chinese virus. But <laughs> <laughs> Look at China. China has been, you know, leading industries. And because of how conducive they made the environment, you know, they have lights, they have cheap labor. So countries are running there to produce stuffs and they're they actually trying. They, are, they made infrastructures to encourage investments, to mm. encourage industries to come and try. That is the Chinese brand. That's, that's, that's the brand of the country. Come here, start your business, you will see profits. Mm. Come here, start something, we have cheap labor for you, we'll give you those products you want to, you, you know, we would. China has everything type, like they have, if you have a watch, they have the second version. Mm. Why? Because they, 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 they are building a brand of, um, let me say, industrialization, you know. Production. So everything is about branding. So for you to influence your community, influence the, econ the economic system in your environment, number one, you need to have a plan. Number two, you need to create a model that will make the other one obsolete. Mm. Before, U.S. was saying, oh, you know, we have the infrastructure, we have the technology. Then China came and said, we have the infrastructure, we have the technology, but it's cheaper. Mm. 
Mm. Everybody ran there. Mm. Everybody mm. ran there. Why? Mm. They created another model that made US obsolete. Mm. So whatever you're doing, understand what is currently existing mm. and then create something that would help you. Basically, your competitive advantage doing. Yeah. What is your value proposition? Why should I choose you as opposed to someone there? Mm. You know, so that, that's what I would say about um, narratives is, is what you want people to see that they see. Mm. And you ask, how can we position the undergraduate community in um, unlocking, you know, the great potentials? I would say the first thing would be to, for you leaders to make your communities know that you are a talent base. Awesome. Hmm. Well, how do I know you're a talent base when I see your innovations, when I see your results? Hmm. That's the only way. How, how, how do people start loving Silicon Valley? Why, why do people all over the world go to Silicon Because they have results. They have innovations that have changed lives. Hmm. Apple, Intel, they're all staying there. So when they hear there's a new innovation, they go and buy it. They go and invest. They go, why? Because Silicon has made itself a brand for innovation that has changed the world. So... Hmm. You, you as a student leader, you have to, especially the Nigerian environment, you have to make, you, you have to make yourselves be a talent base mm. with what? Tangible results. Mm. Tangible results. Well, you can't have results if you don't start something. So you need to start something that will now bring results. Start something in your community that will show results. Start something in your classroom, your class rep. Start something in your classroom that will show results. That will change what the, what that will make the, the existing model to be obsolete and you the new phase. And that is what venture metrics is all about. Yeah, that's all we're here. We're trying to empower leaders because it's going to be a bottom up transformation. Yeah. Yeah. You are the ones. Is is uh, let me define ecosystem. You know I'm an economist. Let me get you guys Ooh. in the pro. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> the first is, for any economist here, you all know this. The first is households. Mm. Then second is firms. Then the last is governments, right? Mm. For households, who are the household? Mm. You you the com- you the the students are the ones in the undergraduate community, right? You're the one that takes the final product, which is education, right? Mm-hmm. So you, the student leaders, are the ones in charge of the student body. Mm-hmm. You dictate what happens in the student body. The community, yeah. If you begin to start doing initiatives to improve the capacity of the student body, mm. the university will notice and say, what's happening in this group? Why are you people so active? Mm. But once they see that, oh, you will have an initiative, they will support it. Mm. And when the university is not supporting you, and they say, oh, our students are very innovative. They are creating drones. They, are, they, mm-hmm. they have businesses. They have startups, blah, blah, blah. Firms, um, firms will begin to hear. I'm like, okay, let's partner with these people. This is what we want. Mm. This is what we want. This is what we want. For example, I know in Danny TV, um, yeah. Red TV, they're all supported yeah. by banks. Yeah. If you're doing something in fashion and you invite GTB, won't they come? Yeah. The GTB Fashion Week. Yeah. Do you understand? So a lot of brands have courses they are passionate about. So by mm. the time you start doing programs or initiatives that relates to those courses, they mm. would come. Why? Because it resonates with their brand. Mm-hmm. Mm. You understand? Yeah. Then the government will not see, I don't know. <laughs> the <government will> see. <laughs> and they can support. 
Mm. They can do tax incentives. They could come in and really help with, you know, I don't know, Sibajo will come and see you guys, something like that, because that's what they do. And also give funding, you mm. know. So it starts from you. You start the disruption and then it transforms the economy. So it's the student body, the universities and the firms, and then the government. But if you don't start, there's no disruption. Mm. So you have to start. You create the brand and people who support your brand will connect with it. Mm. Wow. That was really amazing, right? Um, thank you so much. That was brilliant. That was really brilliant, right? Um, just, just, to, just, to, just to make a call of action right now based on you know, the answers you just provided, right? That means, just as Tony has said, what would differentiate your university is that you don't just talk, but you also do. So it's a, the way your narrative is going to be created and it's going to shift your university drastically is that you talk and then you do. Right, you know, it's it's funny, right? Uh, most most of the leaders, you know, had to be begged for them to put up um, content on their on their on their on their LinkedIn. They had to beg to put up content on their Twitter. You know, it was very funny. But the thing is, it's only the people that talk that will be heard. So you cannot you cannot not share and then expect people to reach out to you. It just it is just not done. So thank you so much, Tonya. That's a brilliant submission, right? So James, um, right, to have your final session is that, um, you know, based on what Tony has said, right, talking about collective responsibility, what are the practical steps? What are the fundamentals, right, for leading this change? So when we take all, all that Tony has said and we want to apply it, um, we want to start, you know, telling our stories, we want to start taking action, we want to start inspiring change, right? What are the fundamental answers to the fundamental questions for leading change, which is how do we lead change? What's actually changed? Where can we lead it? How soon can we start? You know, so those fundamental questions to inspire leadership for change, right? And then we'll round up on that. Whew. Well, once again, thank you so much, um, Tonya. Uh, and thank you so much, Toine. Um, and while Tonya was, was speaking, I, um, to be honest, I got a little, a, a little emotional by the question um, because I think once we once we have answered that question in our hearts, uh, there's no telling where we'll go as a continent. Um, and I just wanted to say this to to everyone who is listening: Africa's prosperous destiny is not with the government. It's not with America. It's not with Canada. It's not with China. It's not with the UK. It's not with Facebook, it's not with all of these people, it's with its young people, it's with you. And you have to fundamentally believe that um, and understand this. I know your environment will tell you all kinds of things, but I'm here to tell you that they are lies. They are lies. It's a mirage. Your, your destiny, Africa's collective future and destiny is with you. I don't know how I can stress that enough, but it is really with you. You are the most powerful player. You are the most powerful stakeholder. You are its greatest resource. It doesn't matter what's happening with, with you know, with the um, people stealing money and, you know, um, with the corruption and everything. It really is with you. And uh, whether we make or break that future or make or break that destiny, 
because we cannot. The reason why you're all here is because you believe that number one, that you, that you're, you're, there's something great about you. You may not have given so much event to it, but there's some greatness in you that makes you want to be a part of such a forum that draws you into such a, a, a group. On the other hand, I believe that fundamentally you believe in Africa's greatness. You believe in Nigeria's greatness as well. And um, I just had to say that. And in terms of answering the fundamental leadership question, this is what I would say to you. As leaders, as leaders, understand this, expand, expand. And when I mean expand, expand in your inner life. Be big enough to take the whole country. Be big enough to take the whole continent. Be big enough to engage with the world. Because if you don't do this, when you engage with the world, you're engaging from a place, you're engaging from a pathetic place. You're asking people, come and help me. And once you do that, you're not on the same playing field. The, the, the playing field for commercial or intellectual exchange is no longer equal. Mm. So you need to expand in your inner life. And one of the reasons why some people would say, you know, corruption is Nigeria's greatest problem. It really isn't. True. You know, um, what's it called? All these other nations, the America, US, Canada. US, yes, yes, America is one of the most corrupt nations in the world, if not yeah. the most corrupt nation in the world. Hmm. Um, but what, what's the difference? The two important things. Number one is it's not really about corruption with Nigeria. It, it is about leadership. And it's not really about leadership, as people would say vaguely, but the fact that the leadership of Nigeria is very myopic. They don't think past their tenure. And when you have a lot of people thinking like that, it's going to create problems. Now, I'm not saying this to you so that you can, you know, diss them or have some more talking points to say, oh, our leaders don't think, think far. I'm saying this to you so that you can think far. So I'm challenging you to extend your vision. And when I say expand in your inner life, what I'm saying is, you know, be big enough to contain the whole nation, to contain the whole continent. But then again, be fundamental enough to pay attention to the tiniest details and be consistent. Mm. It's, it should never be about, oh, okay, I, wanna, I, um, I, need to, I need to get out of here. You know, that's not going to help us. It's, it's, a, it's going to be about growing our roots deeper and charting a course for our destiny, our, your, your own destiny to, for starters, but then our collective destiny. Because it doesn't matter how bad things are. Trust me, it doesn't matter how bad things are at the moment. If you're consistent with that vision, if you pay attention to the details, if you play... Because you allow your allow your um, allow allow your environment to frame the kind of animal you become. Mm. Because for Nigeria, trust me, you need to become a different animal to thrive. Mm. And so allow, don't fight your environment. Allow it to shape the kind of tenacious, and allow it to shape your viciousness. Mm. Allow it to allow it to, to brew your hunger. Allow it to to grow that fire within you. Don't fight it. There's that anger you feel. Some of us channel it to memes and all these funny things on the internet. Allow that anger to be creative. Allow mm. the anger to, to push you and drive you to do the things that you need to do. Because trust me, um, they, 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 one of the things I've always been very intrigued by and I'm, 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 I'm touching base now is how you can have the same circumstances and have different outcomes. 
Mm. And what do I mean by that, right? Um, we would always have to hold the systems accountable, but no system is designed for your personal failure. Mm. There's sure. no system that's designed with your specific personal failure. And the reason why I am saying this to you is because there's that tendency to believe that, oh, Nigeria has finished us. Nigeria has finished you. You choose that Nigeria will finish you. Mm. If you surrender to be at the mercy of Nigeria, then you are done. You're really done for real. But the day you decide to dust your backside and get up and begin to run, absolutely nothing can stop you. And I'm, I'm going to give you practical examples right now, you know, Many of you might know with recent happenings in America around Judge Floyd and everything that's happening um, that, you know, America has not really always been the land of the free. And specifically, when you go back in the 50s and 60s and 40s, you know, black people in America was, it was more, you know, they're basically being lynched on the streets. Like the police could hang someone and everybody would be around and clapping and, you know, rejoicing. That was how bad it was. But in the same America, there was a Muhammad Ali. Mm. In the same America, a Michael Jordan was born and thrived. And I can continue giving you names. So what happened? In the same Nigeria where things are so bad, you can, you can think of names right now that have gone on to build empires for themselves, that have gone on to you know, build, uh, to become captain of industries, to, to become being respected all around the world. I'm saying this because it's a personal decision. It's a personal decision. And you're already taking the right steps being in places like this. Keep going. Be um, hungry enough. Be big enough to contain the nation, but be patient enough to take it one day at a time and crawl into walking and walk into running and run into flying. Thank you so wow. much. Wow. Amazing submission. Permit me to just, you know... Who else is inspired? Please, if you have been inspired by today's session, just let us know in the chat section. Um, it has been an amazing time. Wow, wow. Talk about, talk, about, talk about the first session on the forum. Thank you so much, Tonya. Thank you so much, James. It's, it has been an amazing time. It's been an amazing time, right? I, I feel like ending the session, but I feel like, you know, we could have that one last beat of sensational exchange, right? So in, in, in you know, a sentence or less, um, what would be your roundup statement, right? Tonya, what would be your roundup statement based on, okay, so how would we do it? Let's do it like this, right? So based on how you felt when you were reading um, series one, what do you think would be, and based on, you know, your submissions to us today, what would be your roundup statement in one sentence or less on the action plans we need to take today and now? I would answer that with a quote. Ah, you want quotes though. <laughs> you guys should know because you did not hear the last word. Listen well. I'll take mm -hmm. it slowly, okay? Okay. Everyone thinks of changing the world. Hmm. But no one thinks of changing themselves. themselves. Hmm. Hmm. And this is a quote by Leo Tolstoy. <laughs> Russian writer. Okay. I'll say it again. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. So, the action plan now is create an initiative. 
Look at your environment. Look at your classroom. Look at your association. What is the need? Mm. What is the pain point of students in your group? Mm -hmm. What is the pain point of people in your community? Mm -hmm. Then create an initiative and start. Wow. Create a, create a team. A team is very important as well because as Tony mentioned and James mentioned, mentorship, right? But the first thing should be identify the need in your environment, in your classroom, in your association, and then create an initiative. Mm. Then create a team. Mm. That's <laughs> Woo. Wow. Amazing. 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 Right. Thank you so much, Tonya. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an amazing time. It went way better than anticipated. So thank you so much. Your presence, your presence has marked history today. Amazing. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have James, what is your, your concluding statement? And then we'll say our final um, chow chow today. Oh, sorry. Um, your, can you unmute yourself or is that from me? Yeah, it should be from you. Okay, let me quickly attend to that. Um, I don't know why this is taking... Okay. Okay, you're on mute now. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much. I don't know... Um, I have no words to thank you, Tony, for putting this together. Um, for writing the series and doing all of this. I'm super grateful and I'm super honored to be here today. Thank and trust you. me, it's coming from my heart because it's forums like this that make me, um, you know, really excited about the future of our continent and our country. Um, and while we were speaking, I know a lot of people are inspired. I know a lot of people are really excited, but I know that people are also skeptical, right? Um, and let's be real, right? Uh, Oh, okay, Tony and James are probably from, you know, like wealthy families that are coming here to tell us um, about how we should do this and that. They don't really know that I haven't eaten this morning or they don't really know what's up. Um, and, and that's what I want to address as my final, mm. you know, thought. Um, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't personally, I wasn't, I wasn't born into so much privilege or money or whatever you may call it. Um, and, and just to, just to give you an idea, I'll just give you, you know, brief metaphors or juxtapositions to help you understand, you know, how, how much distance you can put between yourself and whatever circumstance you were born into. You know, the first time my mom saw me up to the airport, she, while I was, you know, with her by the waiting area, she said, hurry up, hurry up before the airplane gets full. And <laughs> I had to explain to her that this is not a bus. Hmm. I have my ticket. The plane cannot get full. They can't leave me because she's thinking about the airplane like she would a bus. You have to get in quickly so that the it doesn't get full and they go without you. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I told, I'm telling you that story just to emphasize where I'm coming from. My mom has never seen what the interior of an airplane looks like. I've been around the world. I, I have traveled around the world. The organization I started when I was 14 years old 
is a multi-millionaire organization today, impacting the lives of thousands of children um, around the world. And when I mean around the world, it's not a cliche. Um, we've been in, in, in South America, in the Caribbean, here in America, and we're doing so much in Nigeria as well. Uh, and I'm saying that to you just as a concluding statement to say, regardless of what has happened, probably, you know, if you, I know, I know what it's like to, to, to go to bed without food. I know what it's like to walk miles to get to where I'm trying to go to. I know what it's like to, to try to, you know, almost, you know, like ask someone for something because I don't, you know, I don't feel like I can, um, I can get it by myself. I know what that, you know, shame you may feel mm. like, you know, to try to hustle your school fees. I know all of that, but I'm telling you, you can be and do whatever you want to do in spite of that. It's mm. not about you. Think less of yourself and think more about our collective future. Mm. You've already gone through all the mess. Don't go through it for nothing. But most importantly, make sure that someone else doesn't go through it because of you. Mm. Thank you so much. Wow. Goosebumps everywhere, man. <laughs> Thank you for sharing such a human moment with us. I, I literally feel the, the goosebumps. That, 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 that hit the chord uh, yeah. in my heart. In my heart. I, and I'm sure that um, people who, who, who are on here right now, people who are in the program that would um, revisit these videos later, I'm sure they'll be really grateful for your time. And that you were open, you were real. You guys are vulnerable with us. You told us as, as, as it is. You know, there was no, there was no forming. You know, it was... I feel very privileged to have had you guys on here and launching the forum. Like you, you guys raised the bar and I'm making sure that, you know, every other session because of you guys, you know, has to be better than what you've done today. So thank you so much guys. Um, as friends, I, I really appreciate that you honored my invitation, you know, Tonya, I tell you, thank you so much. Um, I wish I could tell the stories of how, how, of how we met, but you know, and how I met James and everybody, but you know, time has really gone. I really respect time. This is almost 3.15 as we budgeted. So thank you so much, guys, for coming around. I'm sure if you check the comment section, you see all the love that you're getting. Um, and, and you know, you know, you know, you know, just by spirit, right? I, I'm sure we're very spiritually awake people. I, I strongly sense that you guys, you guys, you know, shifted the whole generation, you know, just with this session. So thank you so much. I cannot overly appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Right. And one fun thing we didn't do was, you know, I wanted this guy to have a feel of how serious this stuff is. Right. Because most people think that, you know, this is just another initiative. You know, it's just play now. Right. It's not just the call speakers. Right. I wanted them to know where you guys are calling from so that they can understand how much you had to sacrifice to be here. Right. So, Tonya, please, can you tell us um, where you're coming from so that everyone on, on, on the show could know? Did I just say show? <laughs> I'm such an old like, where are you now? <laughs> yeah. Where are you right now? What's, what, are you in Nigeria? No, now. <laughs> <laughs> see, she, see the way she says, she says no, now. <laughs> All right, so okay, where are you calling um, from? Calling from, so my school was in Montreal, Canada, but now I moved to Toronto, Canada. Yeah. And I'm calling you guys. But, but before I go, I want to I really appreciate this community. Like, I've been, I read all the comments. You guys are fire. You guys are amazing. You guys are vibrant. Keep it going. Don't let anything stop you. Mm. When you're leading, you're helping yourself yeah. first and you're helping your community. I am so confident now because from high school till now, I've been leading. Mm. I've been leading. And people can see it. 
people are saying, Tony, a fire, fire. It's not from now. It's mm. since that we started building ourselves. So remember, in everything you do, you're benefiting yourself, you're benefiting your community, you're benefiting the world. So keep it going. Don't stop. Start something. Even if it fails, adjust. Even Ooh. if it fails, adjust. Even if it fails, adjust. Mm. And you will see results. Trust me. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Thank you so much, right? James, any final okay. advice? Hey, well, yeah, thank you, you so much. Yeah, where are you calling from? And then, you know. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm calling from Boca Raton, Florida. It's, it's like 30 minutes north of Miami um, nice. in, in Florida. But um, I just also want to quickly say I read all the comments. Um, thank you so much, everyone. Um, Andrew, for those people who are saying they want to connect with me, you can... By all means, please connect with me across any social media platform you're on, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, um, or LinkedIn, or Twitter. My name is James Okina. And um, please, particularly on LinkedIn, if you send a request, please include a message about us meeting here because I have just too many requests and um, many times I don't have the time to go through all of them. So send include a message that you know you we, we met through here and i really want to say i'm excited for everyone usually when i come to places like this with young people i like to listen more than i speak because um i know that a lot of great stories and ideas that all of you have and so um i i, I wish i could hear and just absorb all of that but i can really feel your energy i feel at home here really and i hope you know that this this would also not be my last time here um, I'm super nah. excited for this one. <laughs> awesome. And, and, and so thank you so much, Swain. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much. It's been an amazing time. Ha, adios, right? We're stopping right on time at 3.15. And then I will reach out to every leader and provide a recorded um, version so you can share with your community. So leaders that are, are here, right? You have a responsibility now to get this video to as many undergraduates in your community as you can, right? People need to hear this. Remember, we cannot be heard if we don't speak. So we need to share the stories. We need to share our experiences. Don't forget to update your digital journals. And then, adios, everyone. All right, so Tonya, James, we'll catch up, right? Everybody, have a great day, right? So I'm going to end the session real soon. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.